All right. Well, one of the I've been working on a number of uh, scriptures, but um, so it's really going back and forth. What would be the best one for our group? And I felt like I I'm going to do all of them the, instead of like having to choose. And we're going to look at Mark 16. First of all, this isn't an Advent text, but it's uh, Jesus got crucified, right? And it was pretty, it was brutal. Like everyone had hoped that he was going to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. But then the authorities arrested him, you know, tortured him, executed him. And he was buried in, in a tomb. And a giant stone was rolled over the tomb. And, um, and so I think that kind of buried the hope that people had, literally. And it was, a, it was devastating. It was a trauma, really, that the people that were looking on were traumatized. And on the Sabbath, the, when the Sabbath was over, it says, um, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, um, they brought spices so that they might come and anoint Jesus, his body. It says, very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Um, it was a huge stone, right? And so who was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James? Well, earlier we see that uh, in chapter 15, verse 40, they were watching the whole uh, crucifixion. And it says that, and they're, they're named right there. And, uh, and it says about them that when, he was, when Jesus was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And along with other women. So these were people that were really close to Jesus, who I'm sure were just devastated, right? And they were going to anoint his body, and uh, but they didn't know how they were going to roll away the stone. So then it says, um, looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. So that's pretty shocking right there, right? So entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now, the word there for amazed is, uh, is a strange word. It literally means they were, uh, it, it's, the better word for it is like uh, troubled or, um, or just uh, even, even terrified. Um, it's kind of an important term that um, doesn't really, it's not really, it's more than amazement, okay? It's ekthambeo, which means to throw into amazement or terror, to alarm thoroughly. Okay, so to alarm, they were they were thoroughly alarmed, right? Um, why would they be thoroughly alarmed if the stone was rolled away and they went in uh, to the tomb and saw a young man dressed in white sitting where the body would have supposed to, was supposed to be? Yeah, it'd be and so look what the guy says. And he said to them, do not be thoroughly alarmed. Don't be amazed. Don't be thoroughly alarmed. Don't, okay? Like they're not going to be that. That's going to make it all go away, right? So, so that Jesus is saying, don't be traumatized by this. Don't be traumatized, right? And then he wants to speak to them about a, a higher level truth. That is even more real than the death, um, and and more and totally hopeful, right? He said to them, "Don't be don't be thoroughly alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, 
who has been crucified. Okay, so he speaks the truth about what they had witnessed. He is risen. He is not here. Check it out. Here's the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Okay, so here we have a message that is completely counter to everything that they were expecting, right? They were expecting just to, they were grieving. They were mourning and they were traumatized by what they witnessed and their hope had been dashed. And this man, this young man, dressed in white, is telling them, um, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. Okay, don't, just don't worry. Um, but look at this guy's been, Jesus is resurrected and he's going ahead of you guys um, to Galilee and there you will see him alive. Okay. So to me, this is really, um, this is really hard. It would be hard to accept this guy's, this messenger's word, I think. It, it would take me a while. And, and it certainly took them a long time. Um, they didn't accept it. What, what they did is it says they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, but they were afraid. Okay, so what did they do? Instead of uh, not being totally troubled, um, what they did is they, they, they escaped, they fled, okay? And, um, and I think a lot of times when we have anxiety and, um, and, and we're troubled, what we do, um, what I do is I flee. I think this is a really normal human thing. We try to escape uh, the troubles that we have in our heart when we're, when we're really, like things that are really tra traumatic and that bother us deeply. Uh, do, we, do we just decide we're not going to worry about this and be troubled, but instead we're going to just face a higher level truth that Jesus is resurrected from the dead and he's the living Jesus is going to meet us and, and we've got a mission with him. Do we, do we think about the higher level truth or do we flee? And I, I wanted to ask Bobby to come up here because I wanted to ask him a few questions about modern types of flight. You know, I think addiction can be a kind of fleeing, right? Um, I don't know. What are some of the ways that we flee? What are some of the ways that you guys flee? You escape. How do you escape when you need to escape a situation of, uh, you know, where you're feeling really bad? Googling stuff. Googling stuff. Okay. Shopping. Yeah. What do I need? I was thinking about this on Black Friday. What do I need? And I couldn't think of a single thing except I, I was thinking Gracie. That's who I need. I just need Gracie. I need Gracie to be, you know, from Amazon. They come to my desk. Come to my door. So anyway, um, so Bobby, can you come up here and talk about this a little bit? So uh, you know, the word I just wanted to say one thing before Bobby talks. It says they went out, they went out of the tomb, right? And they fled, and trembling and astonishment had uh, had had um, they were gripped by it. They were had by it, literally, okay? So this word astonishment is the word ecstasis, ecstasy, okay? And, and it's used also as a trance. It's, it's, go, it's like going into a trance. And so in a way, it's disassociation. So Bobby, how does addiction work as a way to escape or for us to disassociate through addiction? You, 
do you see that happening, Bobby? With people that you are counseling and stuff, or maybe um, you've experienced it yourself. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think like Bob was saying, like, there's a lot of different ways that we do this. Like, um, when something happens, I think first of all, we don't know what to do. Like, we have no idea what to do. Um, you know, it's not like we have a solution, um, but we find a solution. Somehow we find a solution not to deal with it or a way to handle it, you know? And so um, a common understanding of addiction is uh, uh, negative consequences despite, or sorry, uh, uh, continued use despite negative consequences, right? And so um, what I found is for myself and for, for others, you know, when you sit down and you start listening to people and they're Oh yeah, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. Um, but what I what I found is um, that it's not only you know that continued use despite negative consequences, because I think we can like really get down on people when it comes to that like kind of term, you know, like oh you you should learn from your mistakes, like you know you you just keep using even though it's negative. I think that what I found is that it's really like when the solution becomes the problem because we've all found like some sort of solution. And I know for me, it was drugs and alcohol for a long time. It was, you know, it was the solution where I didn't have to worry about anything. Yeah, it gave me this, um, you know, uh, you know, this euphoria and that kind of thing. But when it came down to it, I had to deal with like the issues, you know, um, in my life when I, when I gave that up. And I find that that's the same thing is it's like this solution becomes the problem. And so then you continue using the problem, thinking that it's going to be a solution. You know what I mean? And when it comes down to it, like it's really not our solution. Do, does that make sense? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So thank you. Is that your question? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Perfect. So we try to escape. Okay. Um, I know I do. I escape in all different ways. Um, you know, you can escape through healthy things like exercise. You can become just an exercise fanatic and deal with your anxiety by just by, you know, by doing healthy things, right? But like when I try to face the actual darkness that I, that is my deepest concern, my the thing that make is troubling my heart, and not escape from it, that actually requires. It, it feels like it, it's a difficult thing to do, to actually face the trouble, things really troubling me, um, straight in the eye, to look at it straight in the eye, and just uh, move towards it, you know, rather than try to. Uh, go out, flee uh, with trembling and and to disassociate, right? Because that's what I, I think that's what a lot of us tend to do. We just disassociate. You know, we just take a hit of this. We, you know, we shop, we, you know, we do whatever we do. We go, we do seek entertainment, things like that. And so that's that's how the gospel of Mark ends in, in the most ancient manuscripts. It says that they did that and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And uh, that word fear can mean they were in awe, okay? And so in a way, the text ends with a big challenge. Like, are we going to be like that? Is that what we're going to do in the face of this good news? Or are we going to do something different? Are we going to take the rest of, you know, the revelation that Jesus has conquered death? Are we going to listen to the messenger and, and actually go, 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 go out there expecting the resurrected Jesus to meet us and to be with us? So this brings us to Advent. And so today's Advent reading is actually going back a little bit to Matthew 24. And I think it totally fits what we're looking at from Mark. Um, Matthew 24, verse 37. I'm going to start at 36. 
but on that day of that day and that hour, no one knows. See, this is talking about the second coming. Advent is really about preparing for the coming of Jesus. And of course, we're remembering his first coming, but he's already come. So the next time he's going to come, it's going to be a second coming, which is why the first reading of Advent starts with this. But of that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Okay, those are all good things. But maybe the, these were all ways of escaping uh, deeper issues of, of like, why am I here on the planet? Am I just here to survive? Just to eat, drink? marry and be married? Am I just here to carry on tradition? Am I just here to have Thanksgiving and now get ready for Christmas? You know, like just fall into the cycle. So, okay, we've got Christmas vacation and then we've got the new year and we've got, uh, you know, then we got Lent coming up and then we got summer vacation and we got the fall. And, you know, we have our traditions, right? Is that what life's about? Is that all that life's about? And so Jesus is saying, um, it's the coming of Jesus is going to be like when the flood happened. People were doing all that stuff and they didn't understand until the flood came and took them all the way. So will the coming of the son of man be. There will be two people in a field. One will be taken and the other won't be left. Some people think of that as the rapture, but I think taken actually is means to, to die. You know, one of them is going to die. The other is going to be left like there's going to be two addicts on Fairhaven. One is going to die of an overdose. The other is going to be left, right? There's going to be um, two people in the COVID ward in Skagit County Hospital, you know, in Skagit Valley Hospital. One's going to be taken. The other is going to be left, right? We're all left. Okay, we've been left. And there's a lot of people that we all know that have been taken. Okay, so being taken, in other words, dying, is kind of like Jesus returning. Okay, it's when we meet our maker, right? And so... Jesus is teaching this, teaching us this. He says, uh, two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Right? So being on the alert, that actually takes, that's, that's like, don't be, don't disassociate. Don't, don't go out, flee, escape. Face this reality, okay, that Jesus is coming back. And be on the alert, be ready, right? Because you don't know when he's going to come back. And that's. That's like living with our eyes wide open. He would alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must all be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Okay, so that's like, wow, that's like high alert. That's, that's like being... Like, what does it take for us to be awake and looking out at the world and at our lives, you know, fully awake rather than, uh, you know, fleeing, um, disassociating through our escapes and all that kind of stuff? Like, that's a question I'm asking myself a lot these days, actually, because I'm old enough to have kind of felt the emptiness of my attempts, of my escapes, the ways that I escape and how, how, how just empty I feel after I seek a way out of facing my troubles. You know what I mean? You know that feeling like, what did I just waste my time doing tonight? I feel worse than I did before the night started because I haven't really faced my troubles. You know what I mean? So I want to end with another scripture, which is 
in today's readings, which is uh, Romans 13. It's uh, another Advent reading. It's really powerful, actually, and it fits what we're talking about. Romans 13, 11. Okay, so do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. It's already the hour right now for you to wake up from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Okay, so now salvation is nearer to us. In other words, the return of Jesus uh, is nearer to us than when we first became a believer. Our death is nearer to us than when we first became a believer. Both of those things are true, right? So in other words, wake up because it's all coming towards us. This, this, this true reality of our mortality and of Jesus's return, both of those things are coming towards us or we're moving towards them, okay? So wake up. The night is almost gone, okay? And the day is near, okay? We, don't, we may not think that. We might think, man, I've got all the time in the world. Like, you know, like I remember when just five years back and it went like that and five years forward, it's going to go like that. Well, you know, we can, we can live in the, in the illusion, you know, um, of, of just, uh, and, and not be awake, fully awake facing stuff that we need to face. The night's almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Okay. The way that we, the ways that we escape, the ways that we disassociate and put on the armor of light. Isn't that cool? Putting on the armor of light so that the darkness doesn't engulf us. Like, what does that look like to put on the armor of light? I think every one of us would probably want to put on armor of light, wouldn't we? If we could just put it on right now and just walk out into Skagit County into this dark night, into this dark December, end of November, beginning of December. How many of you would like to have the armor of light, put on the armor of light? What does armor do? Okay, do you need protection from darkness? Does darkness kind of try to penetrate into your heart and make your heart fill it with hate and, and gossip and negativity and, and just bitterness and just like ugliness and just eh. like me? Like that's the darkness wants to find its way in through my little cracks in my heart and my armor. So I want to invite us to think about like doing that as a final prayer. But listen to the rest of this. Let us behave properly as in the day. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. See, the, the lust, lust is just a, a way of escaping, you know, all the typical things, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Not that those things are bad, all of them, some of them are bad, but, you know, um, you know, we, we, I'm just talking about, you know, the typical things that we think of when we think of escapes. Okay, if we said, if we said fentanyl, um, you know, um, I don't know, we could name some things that probably all of us would agree were bad, like uh, killing people, uh, you know, nearly overdosing or risk, risking killing ourselves. And, you know, those are, those are things that we would agree to that, that are bad, right? But think about the ways that you try to escape that are taking your life, that are stealing your life away and not getting you any further. Think about those things, and let's. Those are the lusts, maybe that you that you need to face and um, and put aside, so that you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. 
So Jesus, um, here we are. We want to, um, we ask that you would uh, clothe us with your armor of light. And um, we want to actually, actually you tell us, put it on ourselves, right? So in other words, we've got to put it on. So why don't we stand, you guys, let's stand up and imagine ourselves just taking this, if we can put on the armor of light, obviously it's invisible armor. Okay, right? Because uh, I've never seen anyone wearing an armor of light. I, I'm sure that it must be invisible, which means the only way to put it on is by faith, right? Okay, if Jesus is saying, or Paul here is saying, put it on, it means it must be possible. Okay, so where is it? Well, I think I'm just going to reach up to into the heavens, and I'm going to take my armor of light right now, and I'm going to put it on. I just put on my wetsuit, so I'll put on my armor of light. Buckle it on, okay? And, and let's put on the Lord Jesus today, tonight, and this week, and not make any provision, not give any room for our typical escapes that keep us from facing our, facing our troubles with, with the help of Jesus, right? So, Lord, give us that strength and that faith to be able to move it into our week, uh, this first week of Advent. Um, really with that light protecting us from the, the you know, the, the darker and darker days and the despair of our world. I, we pray, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.